I was talking with Brian Crop before Bethel's gathering this morning, their service this morning, and we were talking about the Lord and talking about a variety of things, um, which by the way, pray for Brian's mother-in-law, Wendy, who was just diagnosed with cancer this week. Um, you could add her to your prayer list. Um, she's 82, and upon hearing that, she uh, just said, you know, I don't care what the, you know, whatever stage it's in, um, I'm just trusting the Lord, I'm going to walk with the Lord, and you know, it is what it is, and so uh, just the faith of of her um, is just uh, powerful. But I was I was talking to Brian, and um, I just said, you know, the older I get, um, the more I don't understand the heart of God. Um, and what I mean by that is, like, I don't understand how much in love the Father is with us. Like, how much He loves us. Like, that, that, abs- that blows me away, like, knowing the condition of my heart, knowing others, like, reading Scripture, the, the heart of the Father is so strong towards us as His kids, towards a world that has turned its back on, on Him. You know, John 3.16 says, you know, um, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Like, think about the Father, like, sending His Son just out of love, like, oozing with love, for a creation that he created that constantly turned their back on him. Came across this, um, a couple words um, that a man shared. Uh, a man shared this uh, towards the end of his life. They said, could you summarize the gospel in seven words? I don't know why they picked seven words, uh, but said, summarize the gospel in seven words. And this man who is uh, very in- intelligent, um, has degrees or whatever, simply puts it, put it this way, and it's up on the screen. God refused to be God without us. I want you to let that like sink in. God refused to be God. God's God, like that's, that's, you know, non-negotiable. God is God, but he refuses to be God without us. He's constantly moving towards us. He's constantly getting our attention. He's constantly, if we're walking in in the wrong direction, correcting and leading us back. It's not like he's out to get us. He's like wooing us back because of his deep love for us. He's constantly appearing. And that's why I love hearing these testimonies and hearing what God is doing, because it's a reminder that God is constantly pursuing people, pursuing us. A couple weeks ago, I was having coffee with a friend. And it was a moment where we were sitting in a restaurant on the north side of Holland and met earlier in the morning, not super early, but early in the morning. And there we sat, we talked about work, we talked about life, we talked about ways that this man has been involved in other people's lives. And frankly, we, I mean, we talked about dreams and just different desires of life. And frankly, when we were talking, I just really felt like, wow, heaven is crashing into earth in this booth. I looked at my watch and uh, an hour and a half had passed by. And I was like, that was one of the quickest conversations and most life-giving conversations that I've had in a long time. You've had those moments, those moments where heaven and earth like come crashing together. I used to love driving my kids to school, even when they, we lived further away from school. Because I love the drive and I would use it as an opportunity to get into conversations with my kids and I would ask them questions about uh, their life and, and, and soon enough they would share something and then all of a sudden I would ask, um, well, how do you respond to that as a follower of Jesus? 
And we'd have conversations with him in the car as we were driving to school for 20 plus minutes. And that drive went by so fast because it was a moment again when heaven was crashing into earth. You know, we've never had the devotions around the dining room table because, in my opinion, like dining room table was just chaotic in our, in our household. But I've used those opportunities to speak life into uh, my kids, and they go by so quick. I'm like, heaven is in this moment. The kingdom of God is coming powerfully here. We've been a part of worship gatherings, many of us together where things are shared and and things are spoken and there's just a heaviness and there's a hurt, but then all of a sudden we start singing and there's worship that is filling the room and we're like, wow, with this ceiling like like it was about to blow off the place. You've been in those environments where, again, heaven is crashing into earth. A couple weeks ago, we had a group from Overland here and uh, we had on a Saturday morning a time where we were trained up to go out and pray for people. And we went out into the community and people went into different places. And there was one group that went up to Dick's Sporting Goods store and they were walking around the store looking for people to pray with and to talk with. And there by the coats, a group had a conversation with an employee. Conversation that led to talking to this employee about Jesus and God's love for him. In the midst of the conversation, we came to the conclusion that this young man didn't have a relationship with God, wasn't saved, had never accepted Jesus. And in the midst of that conversation, all of a sudden, this man stepped into the circle and said, all right, let's do this thing. I want to receive Jesus. In Dick's sporting goods store, God moved powerfully. Heaven came crashing to earth. It's that phrase, God refuses to be God without us. God, God longs for a relationship with us. And we're actually even invited by Jesus to pray this way. To pray for this to, to happen more and more for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we're to pray. That's how we're to live our lives. To be constantly looking for the ways that, that God is crashing in to our reality. To live with our li- eyes wide open. God, what are you going to do today? Not just in this space, but what are you going to do as we're going to work, as we're going to school, as we're living our lives in our neighborhoods? God longs to, to do life with us. And He's constantly moving towards us. And I just don't un- know if we fully grasp his heart for us, and how much he longs to dwell with us. You go back to Genesis 3. Genesis 3. I mean, we're going to look at a number of, of verses this morning. And I just think about, if I were to ask you, or if I were to examine your life, what you do on a regular basis, your habits, what you do over and over again would reveal your heart right? The things that you do consistently will reveal your your character. How you spend your time reveals where your treasure is. Like the things that you do over and over again says something about you. Well, all throughout Scripture, we see God doing something over and over and over again that just blows us away, that reveals the very essence of who He is. Genesis 3 verse 8, and and this is the story of uh, Adam and Eve. They had just uh, sinned. Um, they did the one thing that God did not want them to do. And in verse 8, we get this picture of God, and it's absolutely profound. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I mean, get that picture. All of a sudden, sin enters the world, and they had known this beautiful friendship and this relationship with God and walking with God, and all of a sudden they sinned, and their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and so they hid. Sin will always lead you to hiding from the Lord. Sin will always, the enemy wants us to hide. The enemy wants us to be filled with shame. The, The enemy wants us to feel like we're not desired by the Lord. But then verse 9, it says this, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Look at God's heart in this section. He calls out to the man. He pursues the man. If you go and look at the garden and you look at um, all that God created, we know in Genesis 1 that God existed, that there we see that the Spirit was hovering over the deep. And later in Colossians 1, we know that Jesus was there and all of the world was created by Jesus and for Jesus. And so there was the Trinity existing in perfection before the, the Scripture was written. They were hanging out together. And God speaks And the world is created. We see light and darkness and trees and fish and platypus and all of this stuff. Like all of a sudden, boom, they they appeared. Like And and he created man in his own image and, and breathed life into him. And what was the purpose of the garden? What was the purpose of the garden? Why did he create it? Because he was dwelling, he was hanging out somewhere before this. The garden was, I would argue, the first tabernacle, the first temple, the dwelling place of the Lord. He created this garden. He created uh, this world to dwell with His people. His desire was to be with His most prized creation, the one who was made in His image. And we know that relationship was broken. But that didn't end His heart, His passion to dwell with His people. We fast forward to Genesis 4, just one chapter later. All of a sudden, we see Cain and Abel, and there's some brotherly conflict, and and Cain ends up killing Abel because he just was so filled with with anger. Uh, Abel's sacrifice was um, honored by God, but Cain's wasn't. And God approached Cain, and he said, uh, you know, if you give of the first of um, of your livestock, then I will accept your offering. Like, your heart needs to change. God was pursuing relationship with Cain. And then one of the saddest verses early on in Scripture, Genesis 4, 16, it says, Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Here God pursued him, but Cain killed his brother, went away from the presence of the Lord. God's heart, God's desire is that he would dwell with his people. Let me fast forward to Exodus. We know that God's people were in Egypt, slaves being tortured, crying out. And and in Exodus 3, we hear that God hears their cries, that God sees their pain, and He raises up Moses, and He sends Moses to deliver the people from Egypt. But as they are leaving Egypt, who is leading Moses and the people? Look at Exodus 13. I love this. Exodus 13, as they're they're running um, from Egypt, as they're leaving, it says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was near, for God said, lest these people change their minds. 
when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. And we know later in that story that we see that that God led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Here God was in the midst of his people leading them and guiding them. God longs to dwell with his people. Longs to be in relationship with his people. Fast forward to Exodus 33. Turn to Exodus 33. This is just after... The people of Israel created the golden calf. And they bowed down and they worshipped it. And they said, this is the God who brought us out of Egypt. And God was absolutely done with them. In fact, earlier in Exodus 33, he says to Moses, he says, all right, I'm going to give you the promised land. I'm going to send an angel ahead, but I am not going with you because I am done with you. I'm absolutely done with you. And so Moses goes into the the tent of meeting and meets with the Lord. And he says this in, in Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, well, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Moses is telling God, you know what? The thing that sets us apart from everybody else is that your presence is with us that you are leading us, that you are guiding us. And Moses looks at God or speaks to God and he says, if we are going into the promised land, I am not going unless you are going with us. I will not go unless your presence is with us. I often think, how often would we say that? Would we want the stuff of the Lord without his presence? Like, would we want the promised land to be like, sweet, we'll have the promised land uh, apart from the presence of the Lord? I think a lot of times we want the Lord's stuff, but do we want Him and just to be with Him and to know Him? He wants to be with His people. You go into the, into the promised land, and there they are. And God had delivered them into the promised land, and then all of a sudden the people are like, well, give us a king. And God's heart is grieved because He wanted to be their king. He wanted to lead them. He wanted to guide them. And you might be thinking, okay, that's great. That's Old Testament. That's, that's wonderful stuff. But look at Jesus. Look at Jesus in Mark chapter 3. Jesus, when he's prayed all night to pick his disciples, to pick the 12 men who would follow him. It says in Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, that he picked them. He went up into the mountain and called to him those he desired. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. That was their first job, to simply be with Jesus, to share life with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. Jesus, who is is the, the visible image of the invisible God, he invites these young men into relationship with him. He 
also says later in John 15, abide with me. Apart from me, you can bear no fruit. Do you get the heart of God? He longs to dwell with us. One more verse, 2 Corinthians 6. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. He'd already told them in 1 Corinthians that they're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But here he says in 2 Corinthians 6, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't participate with unbelievers in the world. Like don't, don't, don't have that re- close relationship. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? He's like, no, you're called to be separate. And we get that. We understand those, those, that, that call by the Lord. Like, be separate. Don't be, uh, in, be in the world, not of the world. But then Paul goes on and he says one more thing. He says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? We're like, yeah, that does, it has no agreement. For we are the temple of the living God. We, he's speaking about us, we are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Over and over again, all throughout scripture, there is this cry of the heart of the Father that he wants to dwell with his people. That actually, as we move forward to the future where all of creation is headed, in Revelation 22, it says that we will see him, that the dwelling place of God will be with his people. So much so that in Ezekiel, it says the name of the city, the name of the future temple is going to be named, the Lord is there. Why do I share all of this? Why do I share all of this about the the dwelling place of the Lord? The presence of the Lord? Again, I don't know if we understand the heart that the Lord has for us. That He wants to to walk with us. That He wants us to be defined by His his presence. That He wants us to, to the world to see us and be like, wow, they are a different people. The Lord is with them. He wants us to be set apart, to be different, to be known by being a people that are marked by His presence. As I approach 2024, as I approach this season of my life, I've come to realize, I've come to the place where I don't want to do life at a distance with the Lord. I want to do life walking hand in hand with the Lord. As I read Scripture and I look at the way that the Lord has led people specifically all throughout history, I know that, the same, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he wants to lead, that he wants to guide, that he wants to to walk with me. I don't want to do life at a distance with the Lord. I want to walk with him through every single day of my life, looking and saying, God, what are you doing? Where are you working? How do you want me to be involved? And here's the other thing. I don't want you to do life at a distance. Because the cool thing about the Lord is like, I don't get to, to live life close with the Lord just because I have a degree or some fancy whatever. I'm like, that's hogwash. The thing that makes me have a close relationship with the Lord is the blood of Jesus. The same with you. We all get this opportunity and the joy of walking in beautiful relationship with the Lord. Is that the cry of your heart to do life with the Lord? Or are you just seeking to add the Lord to your life? Because that doesn't work. I want to invite you, I want to invite all of us Not to do life at a distance, but to dwell with the Lord, to know that He longs to dwell with us, to to leave space in our hearts for Him. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about this. 
But in regards to even this in church and a gathering here, it says that the Lord is here when people come together to worship. We believe that. And so I don't want to just do a service where we just check things off and say, okay, we did that, we did that, we did that, we can go on our way. No, I want, and I'm constantly on the lookout for, God, what are you doing in this space? What are you doing? What do you want to do amongst this collection of people that have gathered in this space from 1030-ish to about noon-ish? What do you want to do here? Because I bring things and you bring things, and together we're like, God, you are with your people. What do you want to do? Reveal yourself. May your kingdom come in powerful ways on earth as it is in heaven. I actually have an increased frustration when it, when it comes to the church. When it comes to some things, um, meetings that I've been a part of, meetings that I've participated in, it's sad when I know that more time is given to what does an Instagram post look like compared to growing in intimacy with the Lord in church leadership. I get sad when, when I hear more about oh, the harmonies of songs and, and different songs and this and this, this instead of focusing on the heart and our relationship with the Lord. I don't want to do church just to do church. I am hungering for the presence of the Lord. And we've seen it here. But I also know that the Lord wants to do so much more. The Lord is calling us, constantly calling you and me into greater surrender to Him. And it's going to result in us being uncomfortable, challenged, but also ways that we're going to see the kingdom of God come in powerful ways. A few weeks ago, Overland was here on Saturday night and then we were doing a little worship night and just some prayer and um, they were just uh, talking about God's heart for the nations and there was a young man playing guitar named Jason up on the stage who's living in his car uh, with his wife going from uh, city to city just living with believers and uh, sharing the gospel around America and then uh, goes overseas as well but uh, he was leading worship and uh, we didn't have a sound person and so I learned how to lead or run sound in the back and uh, we went through the night without uh, too many hiccups. And I went up to him and I said, Jason, like that sounded pretty good. Like we didn't, we didn't uh, cause any problems. And he goes, well, that doesn't really matter if it sounded good to us. And then he asked me this question or he just said this that really convicted me. He said, at the end of the day, does it sound good to Jesus? But to please his heart, that's how I want us to live. And I start the service every Sunday. It's not about us. We're not looking to please people. We're looking to please Jesus. To give Him the glory. To say, like, it's all about you. What do you want to do in this place? And frankly, as a byproduct, a byproduct, we get blessed. But we're going to be a people that are hungering for the presence of the Lord. That are pursuing Him with everything that we have. And continuing that. Is that the desire of your heart? To see the presence of God fall in powerful ways. Whether it's here on a Sunday, or a Monday night, or a Wednesday night, or as you're meeting with people for coffee on a Tuesday morning. It doesn't matter where, what matters is the posture of our heart. So I want you to close your eyes right now, and I just want you to ask the question, is that the desire of your heart? Are you living 
like Isaiah said, like your, God, your name and your renown is the desire of our heart. Your glory is the, is the thing that we long for more than anything else. I just invite you to search your heart. I'm going to invite Simon and the worship team to come up and, and lead one more song. But I just invite you, yeah, search your heart. Father, search our hearts. Holy Spirit, search our hearts. I thank you, Father, that your heart is strong towards us, that, that it's way more than we could ever imagine. Thank you for the depth of love that you have for us. Thank you that you long to dwell with us. We want to be a people that... We want to be a people where you just want to hang out and dwell with. Thank you that that's all made possible through this, your son Jesus. But I just ask that you'd stir up in our hearts just a deeper desire for your kingdom. To come crashing into to earth here in West Michigan. Thank you, Father, that that's your desire. I love you, Father, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you.